like scary stories, if you like tasty beers, open up your mouth holes and open up your ears for... Sprinkies. Sprinkies. Get these sprinkles in my mouth. Sprinkies. Sprinkies in my mouth. We we had a discussion about what the story for the cold open was going to be. And Bob decided he wanted these sprinkies right in his mouth. I yeah. want these sprinkies. I, I want you to. You want these American sprinkies. American made sprinkies. The floodgates. Of sprinkles. Uh, and, and pour your sprinkies right into my face. directly pour into my mouth. Pour some sprinkles on me. Yes. In the name of love. Yeah, and then strippers are on their little like, little dance pole, and it's just raining fucking sprinkles. She it's just raining sprinkles. Sprinkie Everything's pie. put a put a bunch in my mouth, ten miles high. Put them sprinkles in my eye, but also in my mouth. Then some band from Jersey covers it, changes the word to Jimmy. No one knows what's happening. No, no one knows what the fuck is going on. They're like, wait, Jimmy's gonna, you're gonna put Jimmy in my eye? That's you're put, disgusting. You're, you're gonna you're cover yourself in Jimmy's? What? What? <laughs> Jimmy's in my mouth. It's now or never. <laughs> I ain't gonna live for it. That's my. But I want these Jersey Jimmy's while I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my mouth. <laughs> well, I feel like your your interpretation of this is probably a lot funnier than the actual story. But we've ruined it. Now we've that's ruined it. it. All right, let's just go straight to the show. Yeah. Uh, no, a couple weeks ago in um, in Leeds, England, there was a oh. bakery that was forced to uh, pull its top selling cookies from the market. They had to stop selling them because somebody snitched and ratted out this baker for using American sprinkles in his cookies, which are illegal in England. Wait, American sprinkles are illegal? Correct. They what are the fuck's in our in sprinkles? Because they Pure contain asbestos. a particular food coloring I'm that sure. you cannot use for that purpose. Yes, because they're poison that Americans are allowed to feed their children. But not British people. Yeah. Um. So he, the owner of the bakery, wrote the best Facebook post. I mean, he, he ranted and raved and it was amazing and I'm going to quote a little bit of it. Okay, give me them quotes. It's highly unlikely that we will find any legal sprinkles that we will use as a replacement. British sprinkles just aren't the same. They're total shit and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to maybe maybe this is a strong opinion. I'm going to go out on no, a limb here he now. He added, I'm extremely passionate about sprinkles. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm going to I'm going to say it strong words. Here I go. Yep. Sprinkles kind of suck. I guess though, in yeah, England, they're no, just no, no, hard of sugariness. How shit are the sprinkles in England? That's right. That this guy's like, I can't make this cookie without American sprinkles. Yep. Yeah, because I sprinkles I, are kind of dumb. And if I, I get it, they're make colorful, it. they're fun, but they don't taste good. It's basically just putting a turd on your cookie in England, right? Like, like a crunchy turd. Yeah, that, that's like, what I'm like, led to like believe. It's like little hardened post. turd particles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, hi everybody! Ever, hey, have you ever had Boris Johnson shit directly in your mouth? Well, that's what these British sprinkles taste like. I Boris wonder Johnson if they're like soft or something. Like I'm trying to think, what would make a sprinkle shittier? You know, it apparently all lies within the red food coloring number three. 
Oh, red number three. There's something about red number three that sets these American sprinkles apart from the British counterparts, which don't have any of it. Am I crazy or is red food coloring made out of ants? Uh, I, I think know. it's made out. I know raspberry is made out of like otter asshole. Yeah. yeah. Or, or is that vanilla? Like fake vanilla is made out of otter assholes or something like They're that. All I think made it's out raspberry. Fake raspberry flavoring is made from like otter butts. Cool. Otter butt glands. Well, the reason in the UK that red food number three is prohibited is because it has been linked to hyperactivity in children. That's just being a child. Uh, I mean, that's an American child, probably because our kids are all full of fucking Fucking sprinkies. Sprinkies number three. Red number three. Um... How many sprinkles are you consuming that's making your child hyperactive? Like, how many sprinkles are you feeding this fucking kid? Like, breakfast times is a bowl of goddamn sprinkles. sprinkles. You have sprinkle-covered cake, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Why do we? Why do we have an overweight crisis? I don't think would be enough sprinkles. I don't know, man. There's not a lot of sprinkles on things. Uh, Cochineal. This. Uh, is one of the most wi- widely re- used red food colorings, carmine, and it is made from crushed up bugs. Yeah, it's like a bug exoskeletons, right? Yeah. Delicious. So, England, uh, bugs make children hyperactive. That's what I've yeah, learned. Yeah, I, I will say this. I made cookies last night and they came with a packet of sprinkles. Yeah. An American made America sprinkles. And they give you about nine times the amount of sprinkles that you no. need to put on these cookies. You need more sprinkles. Huffington Post reports, is beaver butt really used to flavor your desserts? Here's what yes. you should know. Beaver butt. <laughs> I think it's like a gland. It's like beaver butt gland. You may have heard the rumor by now. Certain artificial flavorings like vanilla, raspberry, and strawberry are made from the anal secretions of a beaver. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. Is this not true? Is this urban legend that I believed my whole life that raspberry is is beaver butt flavored? A beaver's posterior, believe it or not, smells good. <laughs> so no, it's true. It's like totally really true. Good, according like a to Joanne Crawford, starburst. A wildlife ecologist mm. who told National Geographic that she loves putting her nose down there and breathing it all in. Oh my People god! People think I'm nuts. Okay. She said. Yeah, you I are, tell honey. Them, oh, it's just beavers. It smells really good. <laughs> She's, I mean, um, she's got a couple it's fetishes. It's technically called know. castorium. There's a substance described as a brown slime that comes Delicious. from beaver's asshole. Uh, uh, um, right under the table. Uh, and it is favorably fragrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been using it to flavor ice creams, chewing gums, puddings, and brownies. Mm, delicious. There you go. Delicious. For, for roughly Who 80 looked years. at that and went, we should make a brownie out of this? You know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody said that. As somebody whose favorite flavor is, of course, vanilla ice cream. I, I I have a great affinity for beaver assholes. You've eaten so many beaver assholes. I've eaten probably 25,000 beaver assholes in my life. And you know what? Speaking, I have no regrets. None. I have yeah, none. I mean, speaking of eating beaver assholes. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Booze and Bruce podcast. We're the podcast where we tell each other ghost stories. We drink thematically appropriate beer. And we do enjoy eating beaver assholes, but only with enthusiastic and continuous consent. That's mm-hmm. right. That Oh, you know that beaver likes it. You yeah. know that beaver likes it. That beaver is just like, hey, hey, smell hey, my butt. Smell, smell my butt. Put, put, your, put your snoot down by my poot. Yeah. That's put your it. snoot in my poot. Woo. He That's what his t-shirt. Tinder profile says. You know what's funny is. Swipe right, baby. With your nose. Mm. swipe your nose like a credit card gotta get cardi b involved in this yeah 
Um, this week we, uh, at least to my knowledge, I have no beaver assholes in my story. No, I don't know about you. Uh, no, friend, sadly, but... beaver asshole free. Oh well, that's unfortunate. What are we talking about? Well, this week we are talking about. Well, we have a beer. Oh, we do. We actually don't have a beer. We have a cider. Oh, that's right. We Ooh. have a cider. We have a this cider. Week. So this week we have Desolation, which is a prickly pear hard cider. It's from Mountain West, which is a brewery out here in Utah. Um, and it is like proceeds from this cider go to support the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. So help keeping like Utah's wilderness wild. How nice. Um, yeah. So it's a prickly pear cider. This Ooh. So we thought desolation. What yeah. does that mean? Mountain West. Like, oh, the old West. Yes. And so we were like, ghost town. Yeah. Or whatever that means to you. Ghost towns. No, the original idea was ghost towns. That's yeah. what we were going to do. And then we were like, what if we, if you can, then you do something else. Then you do something else. Right. Well, what is your, what is your ghost town or something else? <laughs> so Tuna understood the assignment. Oh, bravo. Did understand the assignment. Good I, job. I picked a ghost town. Good job. Here's the thing. Ghost towns are. Not a lot of them are actually haunted. That is true. Um, which also, I think Ghost Town is a, for our non American listeners, I think it's a fairly American phenomena. Yes. Just um, so the idea, yeah, the idea of a ghost town is that a town builds up around an industry that's normally like mining a mineral, gold, silver, copper, something like that. Right. Sure. That is finite. Yep. And then once that mineral is depleted, everyone just fucking leaves Leaf. the goddamn town. Right. Because there's no reason to stay. Yeah, so, and this is, like, sometimes it's, like, you know, things left in homes, products left in stores. Like, people just pick up and move on to the next boomtown that still has this mineral to mine. Correct. So, this is what a ghost town is. And I thought, I'm interested in these ghost towns. Mm -hmm. They're fascinating. But... Are there other kinds of ghost towns? Oh. Because every, as someone who grew up in California, all of our ghost towns are gold or silver based. Right. You know? So I was like, are there other things that create ghost towns? And there are. The answer so is yes. I bring you the story of, mm, the story of Cahaba or Cahaba. Sometimes there's a W. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> The ghost town in Alabama. Ooh, Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Alabama. So what you may wonder would cause there to be a ghost town situation because they ain't got no fucking minerals in that Bama. That's true. Um, this it is was a, ghost a town, town entirely of cousins you could fuck. Yep. Yeah. No, it's worse. It's a town based on cotton and slavery. Oh, boy. And let me guess, when both ran out... <laughs> there was the end of your town. Yeah. So, spoiler alert. Mm. Um. So the Cahaba, yep, city, yep, um, was built at the I'm confluence of the Alabama and the Cahaba rivers. Great, clever so, name. Very clever yeah. name. So yeah, exactly. That's why it's named that. And the river doesn't have a W in it. So I don't know why sometimes the town has a W in it. Alabama. Don't understand it. Fun. Alabama. Yep, it is. It's funsies. Well, what is interesting about this town is that so Alabama becomes a state 
Um, sure. And then they're like, we need to have a state capital. Yep, they obviously. had like temporary state capital that was somewhere else, but they were like, this is not good enough to be our state capital. So nothing like, but the best for Alabama. Nothing but the best for Bama. So they're like, we're going to find a new place to make a state capital. So then um, they decided it was going to be in this area because it's at the convergence of these two rivers. So okay. it like, you know, access to natural resources, access to travel. It makes sense. Yeah. But at the time, it's just fucking wilderness. There's nothing there. Trees. So what our a very smart man did, Governor William Wyatt Bibb. Bibb? Um, Bibb. B-I-B-B. Bibb. Bibb. Okay. Bibb. Yes. Um, so what Governor William Wyatt Bibb did... Mm-hmm. Um, was he sort of he sent out a bunch of like surveyors to survey the land and then create plots of land and then was like okay this is where our new city capital is going to be done and then he sold all the surrounding plots of land and then used that money to finance the state of Alabama like it all went into the state's treasury and it's how the state was able to have money to do other things oh. because they sold off the land before they even started building the capital smart yeah, it actually is really smart. And it worked out. It's not like he was trying to gouge people. He was like, this is going to be a big hub. Yep. Buy land now. Yeah. They ain't making more of it. <laughs> um, so, so he built the whole city on a grid system mm-hmm. to make it easy to get around. And all of the streets that ran north to south were named after trees. Great. Smart. Nice. Um, Love it. Which is funny because uh, uh, Alabama all of has the- no trees. Uh, well, they have trees. It's a tree-free state. Yeah. Um, but like all of the surviving materials that have like uh, the street names on them, they're not actually trees. It's like Vine Street, Forest Ave. Look, trees. Like, those they're are not trees. Tree Look, those tree are trees to Alabama. They were like oak, maple. We ran out of trees. That's all the trees I know. We don't know <laughs> any more trees. A vine. <laughs> when they started, it was like a two-street city. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, maple. Uh, you know what? No forest. Uh, don't know them. Forest, vine, leaf, vine. leaf street, yeah. flower, leaf street, <laughs> green shit boulevard. No, it wouldn't be leaf street. It'd be leafs street. Leafs. Oh, that's street. a third street. Leaf. Leaf. That's, a, that's a different street. <laughs> um, and then all the streets running east to west were named after quote um uh um American like heroes like basically sure. like famous Americans, which means. Rich white uh, American men. Yeah, so I'm sure there's like a Washington Street. Yeah. Well, and again, all of the streets that I could find were like Capitol Boulevard. I'm like, <laughs> that's not a man. It is a man. It represents a man. It represents all good all white man. All man. Um, so, uh, like I said, this, the state decided we're going to build our capital here in 1818. By 1820, it was a bustling metropolis. They had built the capital. All these people who had bought plots of land around it had built up homes and businesses. Nice. And it was a functional state capital two years later, which seems fast. Good, good job. Well, seems good fast. But then, Uh-oh. in 1826. Yes. The other Alabama town of Tuscaloosa waged a sm- sorry waged a smear campaign against 
Cahaba oh. and said like that's a gross swamp town because it floods because of the two rivers and you'll get yellow fever and malaria and die. and die and also there's a huge flood and it took out half the city and like all of the local papers like no that no. this year's actually in a drought so we haven't had any flooding this it year it hasn't rained at all buddy and they're like even even though like the area does flood it is a gross swamp town um, because of the two rivers, but it didn't happen that year. But Tuscaloosa just wrote in all the papers fake that news. it did, and they should move the capital Tuscaloosa. Original fake news. Did. Original fake news. Wow. Convinced yeah. the the people of the state to move capitals, yeah. and it fucking works. Jesus. Um. So then the capital of uh, Alabama was Tuscaloosa until um, 1865, when then it actually moved to Selma, which is kind of an insult because Selma is like right up the fucking road from Cahaba. Oh man, what a slap it's in like the face! Just a couple Cahaba. miles away. It's a real slap in the face. Oh. Um. See so because because it had built up all of this industry surrounding being the capital. It obviously lost a bunch of money when the capital moved to Tuscaloosa. Right. Um, so then they were like, okay, well, we can't focus on government as a business anymore. Right. But we're smack dab in the middle of Alabama's black belt. Okay. Now, the black belt, I will tell you. Is, is racist? It, obviously. But it is officially named the black belt because this belt that goes across the sort of southern part of Alabama Karate. is known for having a very mineral rich topsoil that Karate. is very dark in color. It is almost black. I see. So it however, is not martial arts related. However, this land is used to grow cotton. Yeah. Which like, is primarily cool, cool. harvested in the early 1800s by black people. Yeah. So that's what it kind of takes on its meaning to be, even though that was not its origin. Gotcha. But yeah. So they're in the middle of the black belt. So they're like, we're going to start growing cotton. Okay. And they do. And they're fucking great at it. They're Good like, job. cotton and slavery is the tits. We love it here. Man, we love this way of life. We we're hope it never changes. Fan. Big fan. And then because of that, and then because they're on the convergence of these two big rivers, it also becomes a big port town. So it's easy for them to harvest the cotton and then quickly get it off to other destinations because they're right on these two huge rivers. Mm -hmm. um, so at this time, um, this is like the 1840s. It's actually the fourth largest cotton economy in the U.S. Dang. So it's a really big cotton town. Mm -hmm. um, and then in 1859, the railroad comes in and Ooh. now they can move. Now it's a whole new industry. They can move a lot more product, a lot faster, a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. Trains. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So there's this there's this huge boom. A lot more buildings are built. A lot more people move in. Um, and by 1860, they have over 2000 citizens living within Cahaba. OK, nice. Um, now. Citizens, air quotes. The ones they actually count or the ones they don't count? Because no, this is all peoples. Wow, okay. But 65% okay. of these citizens um, are enslaved people mm. um, because that's what makes the cotton industry run. Well, yeah. Um, but surprisingly enough, there's also close to 10% of, of freedmen hmm. also working in this city, which I was just like, you're living as a freed person yeah. in Alabama in the 1850s. That's like, ballsy, man. Uh, the, that is, that's yeah, ballsy. like good on you. That's amazing. Yeah. 
And apparently they were so successful, they sort of quartered the market on the poultry business. And pretty much the entire poultry industry within this city is run by freedmen and women. Huh. Yeah. Um, so then... There's the Civil War. There's a couple years of of strife. I've heard of this war. There's the war. Mm -hmm. And in the war, obviously they're in Bama, so they're fighting for the the bad side. They're the bad guys. We don't like them. Yes. Um, So the government comes in and immediately seizes the railroad to use that for the war effort. So there goes that. Then they seize all of the uh, cotton supply that's already been harvested to use for the war effort. So there goes that. Bye bye. And then they they take the largest like cotton storage facility and turn it into a prison for Union soldiers. Oh, yes. Okay. And uh, it's called Castle Morgan. Um, and it was built to house around 500 prisoners. Okay. But at its peak, it had around 3,000. Oh. Which, by the way, that's more people than there ever were in this, in this town. town. Wow. That, that's Swamp Ass Central. Uh, yes. Now, I will say this. This prison, incredibly overcrowded, right? It's mm-hmm. in Alabama. It's yeah. not. It's probably not a great place to be a Union soldier, except it is because it's apparently like the best place to be sent. <laughs> like the um, like the amount of of they were very quick to trade prisoners for other prisoners. Uh huh. So you probably wouldn't be there for all that long, especially if you had any sort of rank. Okay. Um, and uh, like people coming out of these prisons had like wonderful things to say about it. They were like, everyone was nice. Everyone treated us well. I got massages. And their, and their death rate was so much lower than the average Revo- uh, Civil War prison camp was. Huh. Wow. So like on average, it's 12 to 15% of a death rate mm-hmm. at these at these uh, prisons. Yeah. Theirs is less than 2%. Holy shit. Wow. So it's much better. It's like a real great prison to be at. And like, everyone it's like a hotel real, prison. Starbucks and everyone card was comes real by nice your, to your, them. Uh, your cell every day. Yep. Yeah. Sounds so lots of, lots of people are like, oh, the ghosts come from all of these Union soldiers. And I was like, I don't think so. I think they were fine with that prison. Yeah, they they seemed to like no, it. All, all the Union soldiers died in the battlefield and went went back to where they were happy to, happiest, which was this fucking prison. We <laughs> in fucking prison. If only they I stayed like, there, it was there not, we had turned down service. Yeah. so nice. The sheet, they seized all this cotton, made all these sheets. They had a really good thread count. Really good. They read me bedtime stories. Bedtime it stories. It was real nice. Big fan. The finest barber in these 50 states. Mm-hmm. Five stars would recommend this prison. Yeah, 50 minus however many had 50 been. minus the ones that weren't there yet. Yep. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, so then uh, postbellum, which I just learned that that is a phrase today. So there's the antebellum South and then the postbellum. postbellum. All right. Uh, yeah, most people would call it the reconstruction of the South. So after the Civil War has ended, we'd said, no, we really don't want any slavery here. None for you either. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, Selma has become the capital and Selma's really fucking close. So there's still a little bit of um, of industry happening within Cahaba. Cahaba, Cahaba. I'm not sure how to say it. I'm going to say Cahaba. It's mine. It's how, it's how you know, I say your it. Story. Yeah, your story. You say yeah. it however you want it. Spoiler alert, it's not a town anymore. It's a ghost town, so it doesn't fuck about it. So who fucking yeah. cares? Um, so, and, but pretty much everyone left in town, the, the population has decreased significantly. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everyone left are freed men and women okay. who are continuing to run the cotton industry just now for themselves 
versus instead of forced into slavery. Right, right. Um, and to come out of this in this era was a man named Jeremiah Harrelson, yep. who was a, a freed black man. And he was elected to the state house and then to the state senate and then eventually to the U.S. Congress. And he's the only black man in the South to have done that during the Reconstruction. Wow. wow. Before and he's Jim from this, Crow went, no. Yeah. Um, and it was from this tiny little town. And it was because this town was mostly black people at this point. Nice. Um, so, mo- like I said, most of the whites left. And by 1870, now you will remember, in 1860, there were 2,000 people in this town. Yep. So by 1870, there were 431. Oof. Okay. And 302 of them were black people. All right. Well, there so we go. it's really a lot of freed uh, mm-hmm. slaves at this point. Um, and and because of that, the industry dwindles because people don't want to buy cotton from black people because people racism assholes. still exists, even though we ended slavery. And everyone starts to move away. Selma is so close that people just move there because it's a much more bustling city. Mm-hmm. And eventually by 1900, one um, freed man able is, gathers up $500, uses that $500 to buy every available uh, plot of land and building left in the city, uh-huh. uh, breaks them down to parts and sells them to Selma for building supplies. Wow. Wow. Um, so, and like he, they would take up whole buildings like there was this big fancy church they just picked up the church and sold it to another city and it still exists in that other city (laughs) so like a lot of the buildings from this era don't exist anymore because they move them to other places because they exist in another city (laughs) yeah so the town became a real ghost town like it wasn't even much of a town anymore yeah um, so the area is currently owned by the Alabama Historic Commission, um, and it maintains the site as a astrological site. Oh, um, so, or so, an archaeological site. I was, I was like, astrological. Yeah. You can Be find like, out if Mercury's oh. in retrograde and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah man. No, as an archaeological site. It's very um, different. Move it to California, <laughs> man. Yeah, man. Um, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently, descendants of people who came from the town in their antebellum era, so these are white people, uh-huh. are trying to bring the town back to its, quote, glory days Oof. of the 1840s and 50s. But, um, yeah, so what they're doing is they're like sort of gathering money um from private citizens and from like initiatives to buy back these buildings that were sold to other places and put them back where they used to be and refurbish any buildings that still kind of exist and put them back the way they were in the 1850s. So they're going to buy a bunch of ancient ass buildings, break them down to parts, transport them and put them back together. It's probably a rickety asshole building already. I mean, I assume they're yeah. just going to put the whole thing on a flatbed truck and move it. Super Are wide they? load. I don't know. I'm not in the building moving business. Why? Okay. I'm just saying they made us take our IKEA furniture apart when we fucking moved. So That's I would imagine true. that those the that 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 your old timey saloon might need to be taken apart yeah. too. Yeah, but the no. old timey saloon probably was not built of yield particle board. So, mm. Mm. a compelling know. argument. Yeah, um, but so so far this uh, organization of descendants um, has managed to buy back 27 acres, which Dang. is more than half of the original city. Oh wow. So they've done a pretty good job. And a lot of the money comes from private citizens, like I said. And also, they raise a ton of money by doing ghost tours. Oh, hell yes. 
Yes. So the some of the big sites that they go through on these ghost tours is the, quote, new cemetery, which was estimated in 1850. So it's new. It's super new. Yeah, cemetery. Yeah. Um, and like there's lots of stories where like the groundskeepers are like, oh, yeah, this place is definitely haunted. If you ever work past dusk, you'll start to hear people talking to you as you're working and they are criticizing the job that you are doing oh, and upkeeping the cemetery. Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you, buddy. You're dead. You shut up. That's what you call a planter. <laughs> like they're just criticizing these groundskeepers oh for the job they're doing. God. There's also like because schools will go there on field trips as like a learn about the history of the area. And there's like videos of school children like you looking at all the old tombstones and stuff. And you can hear EVPs on these videos. Oh, wow. And it's mostly just like, hello, why? Like they're, they're just little bits and bops of words. Nothing Go really fuck great. fuck yourself, kid. Yeah. There's also tons of this is like a whole ghost town full of goddamn orbs. All of the stories tend to revolve around fucking orbs. It's it's ghost bubble central. God, orbs. Um, but there was one pretty compelling story I found from uh, this guy whose uh, descendants were originally from the area. And he said that when he was a kid, he would spend his summers with his grandparents who still lived in like there's a town that's kind of right next to it that is maintaining um, everything that's in the area. Yeah. So he was like staying with his grandfather and working on the old cemetery, um, trying to like refurbish it and keep the upkeep on it and stuff. Um, and he so he spent summer there as a kid and then when he went home and his dad was like how was it because that's how his dad used to spend his summers too and he's like oh it was great the old caretaker at the cemetery gat he was like super helpful and he was told me all these fun stories about the times and stuff and his dad's like um gat was there when i was a kid and he died when i was like in college years before you were born oh and he was like oh no he was definitely there like helping me and then they asked the grandfather about it and he was just like oh yeah no that's a ghost (laughs) (laughs) oh no no that guy's a ghost yeah Yeah. he's just still there yeah right i mean yeah that's 100 he's he's super nice yeah he's got great stories so he's like so like my son would come home after working all day and tell you things that old gat told you him and you didn't tell him it was a ghost he's like no. well no i didn't want to scare him but yeah that's a ghost <laughs> it's definitely a ghost well i would like to hear these stories again so no i wasn't gonna tell him yeah great. he's fine the ghost's yeah, not gonna it's, hurt it's, him it's, it's nice to have someone around to help out and i didn't want to scare him off <laughs> yeah yeah um so the most famous ghost story comes from um is called i'm guessing it's Pegu's ghost sure um, but in my head, it's Pelagius. So I just hear the Skyrim. Like, oh, Pelagius! In my head, every time I see the word. But there's no L in it. So that's not it. You know what? It's whatever you think it but is. But we're going to call him Pelagius. Yeah. Um, so this ghost story is the most famous ghost story to come out of this whole ghost town. Um, and there's different versions of it. But the basic story is that it's the spring of 1862. Okay. So the area is in the grips of a civil war. Yes. Um, the war of northern aggression. Yeah, yes. If you will. Yes. And there's a young couple that is taking in the evening by going through a cedar maze. So it's basically like uh, like a labyrinth on the ground, like a like corn maze kind of, but it's made out of big, tall cedar trees. Okay. Um, in oh, the no, back, no, wait, Hey, hey, we got a third name oh, for there's one of the streets in town. Cedar. Cedar. There, to my knowledge, was not a street called Cedar. That's, I feel He's like that's... Forest! <laughs> forest. Oh, 
forest. Vine. <sighs> nope. No cedar. No what cedar about elm? Cedar. Shut your damn mouth. That ain't a tree. <laughs> That's witchcraft you're talking about. <laughs> it's tree street. Yes. Um. Yeah, so they're walking through this fancy cedar maze, which was like kind of like the thing to do because the house is owned, uh, the house that this maze is uh, behind was part of this big sweeping grounds of this big house that's owned by a man named C.C. Pelagius. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they're walking through, and they're probably like doing a little necking. You right, know, of course, like you do. Getting a little Yeah. Um, this giant ball of light appears. Orb. An orb. A big fat ghost bubble. Big old bubbles. And the couple's like, what the fuck is that? Bubble. And then the thing like gets closer to them. So close that they can like kind of almost touch it. And the guy like tries to touch it and then it like moves away or it disappears. Mm. And then they'll like follow where it goes and it'll disappear and it'll pop back up again. And he's like leading them kind of through the maze and away from the house. Okay. And and he's like, it's so weird. And eventually they kind of stop following it because they're like, we're not going to keep walking that way. Like, that's so far from the house. Mm -hmm. So they turn back. Um, But this is the first time that this ghost bubble appears. But after this one story, a bunch of other soldiers see it. Mm. And a bunch of soldiers see it because C.C. Pelagius is actually Colonel Pelagius, who is the leader of Alabama's 5th Regiment. Uh Um, So he is leading some of the Confederate troops in the area. Um, and in so all this happens in the in the winter of 1862. Yeah. In the summer of 1862, in June, there's a big battle and Colonel Pelagius is injured. Oh, no. He always. comes he comes home and he dies two weeks later in his house. R.I.P. Um, and he was because he was a military boy, he before he died, he would use his house as a way for these other military boys to like take a break from the horrors of war. Okay. So he'd be like, come back to my house, have some fancy dinners, do some necking with some pretty townies. Maybe take I a have bath. a big fancy maze in the backyard. Right. And for like six months, every soldier who came through would see this giant ghost orb. Oh, and, and then after he dies, the ghost orb doesn't show up anymore, which is why they call it Pelagius's ghost, because they think it's the spirit who knew that he was about to die and all of the soldiers under his command were about to die. And they were trying to keep the young soldiers being like, don't go back to that house. Don't go back to war. Leave. Just go away. Mm. Just, Just leave because you're going to fucking die. Keep walking. Just keep yeah. walking. Keep walking, buddy. Um, so this story, like I said, it's the most well-known ghost story to come out of this ghost town. Um, it was so famous, in fact, that it's featured in a book called The 13 Ghosts of Alabama and Jeffrey mm-hmm. by a woman named Catherine Tucker Wyndham. Now, who's Jeffrey? Um, I, I did hover over that hyperlink on Wikipedia. Oh, thank God you so, asked. So it's 13 like famous ghost stories from around this area in Alabama, around the Selma area. This woman is from Selma. Jeffrey is the ghost that haunts her ancestral home. So it's the ghost that like she grew up with. That's why she was interested in ghost stories. So she tells all these stories about Jeffrey and then other famous haunts of the area. Okay. So one of them is this story of Pelagius's ghost. Um, And it, the, she publishes this book. It's actually really popular Everywhere except Alabama. Alabama does not like it because 
it's not Christian. Oh, it's the devil. It's oh. the devil. So the Christians of her community, very Christian community, um, said that she's basically doomed for writing this book. She's like sending herself to hell by writing this book, by writing about ghosts. And she said, quote, <laughs> if I'm going to hell and I can't deny that because it's not for me to judge, it won't be for telling ghost stories. I have far greater shortcomings than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. Fuck. Yeah, and that is the story of the Cahaba ghost town in Alabama. I love a it. Cotton ghost town. I Just a ghost town of slavery. Love it. Uh, the story not was the wonderful. The slavery was not. But uh, yep. I'll come and yell at you in a second, and then we'll come back and get more ghost stories. You're going to love it. Hey everybody, it's your old pal Southern Pelagius, and I've been to Skyrim and came on back, and there ain't no place like Alabama. Hey, go to iTunes and send in a review of the Booze and Bruce podcast. Put in a bunch of words and give them five stars, because it's a great show. You don't think so? It's because you're an idiot. Also, patreon.com slash booze and bruise. Audio episodes, video episodes, show sketches by the very handsome and talented engineer Bob. That's a great way to waste your money on the internet, so why not do it there? Also, social media websites. You love to use them and get all kinds of things that get you pissed off. Why not talk to two people you might get pissed on by? So why don't you just give them a, a, a holler at a bunch of the different uh, addresses. They got a Twitter at Booze and Bruce. They got an Instagram at Booze and Bruce Podcast. And they got a Facebook at Booze and Bruce. Excellent. Now back to the show. Listeners, the things we discuss when off mic during these breaks, you will never know. You will never know what we talk about. But just know, glorious. kind of awesome, but also sort of disturbing. Oh, yeah. I mean, depending. Yeah. We should we should have a booze and brews nights podcast. Where <laughs> booze, and brews nice. booze and brews nights. Yeah, but like, but like, not in the in the like the janky sex version, but like all the off mic stuff where it's just us talking about. The real shit. This is what us we talking, really are. Yeah. Us, how we decided to do the sprinkle story in the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Us talking about what we were talking about yes. on that break. Yeah. The the real cancelable material, I think, yeah. is what we're talking yeah. about here. The, the shit that we think is too much for you to hear. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's what... That's a whole separate episode, and then no one would ever listen to us no, again. Now we keep booze and brews nights, but then we go to booze and brews after hours. <laughs> the the, <laughs> okay, the okay. third sister podcast. I see. Yeah, it's NC seventeen. It's all behind a paywall. All of it. Yeah, you got to pay to listen to that. It's man. our OnlyFans. We'll put it on OnlyFans. There's no nudity there anymore, right? Yeah, that's correct. I think. Yeah. Or they might have changed. Or I, the, I, I don't. You remember. look at me like I know. I'm looking at you with a crinkly forehead, like you know, because like, I don't dear, know. You're you're on only you're an OnlyFans connoisseur. Yeah. yeah. What happened with your OnlyFans account, podcast mom? Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> so based on the conversation that we just Literally, had, I don't again, have booze an and brews after hours. <laughs> Yeah, she would not be the one with an... I think listeners could have guessed that, though. Yeah, a thousand percent. A lot of piss content. It's not gonna be... <laughs> Don't give it away, Bob. We're gonna put it on a paywall. Not for 17 grand. Dear. We already talked about it. That's the point. I didn't... See, imagine now, listeners, that that's what I've said, and imagine how much worse it got. That's why you need to sign up for the piss tier on Patreon. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> the fifteen dollars piss in your mouth tier. Not fifteen dollars. Twenty dollars 
For no! the co- for the conversation, oh, dummy. For- Jesus Christ! <laughs> what? A- <laughs> Melly's like fifteen's way too low. Dear. <laughs> I'm gonna need at least a hundy to piss in your mouth. Dear. If I'm going to let you piss in another human's mouth, we're going to need more money oh than that. My oh, my God. You own his piss. Well, I guess half of his piss is your piss, right? That's what marriage is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> half of... Richer, poor, sickness and health, peeing piss in other no people's pee. mouth. Yeah. Peeing in my mouth or others. <laughs> marriage. Tell a story, dear. Please so, get me off of this. I can't. Before we got onto that, we were talking about ghost towns. So I'm going to continue telling you about ghost towns, specifically (laughs) the ghost town of St. Elmo, Colorado. Smellmo. Smellmo. That tickles. (laughs) The town of St. Elmo is an old man in town. I want a character on Sesame Street named Smellmo Smellmo. now. Smellmo that pisses in people's mouths. Yes. He like the the tickle me Elmo is called the tinkle me Elmo tinkle and it pisses me, on you. Tinkle me smellmo. Yeah. yeah. He's BFS. We, with we don't Austin need a marketing Grouch. department. We're everything we need right here. Oh my god. How are we not more popular? I, I have no I probably know. because of my cackling from what I understand. <laughs> so anyway, Saint Elmo is an old mine in town located in the Chalk Creek Canyon in centralish. Colorado. Oh, the and, old west. Yes. And what that translates to for those of you geography nerds is about two-ish hours southwest of Denver. Okay. Okay. There you go. Saint and what uh what un uh what depletable resource did they mine there? Well, funny you should ask, because St. Elmo was founded in 1880 as a result of the silver mining boom ah. in that valley. I knew it was one of them shiny rocks. I just didn't know which kind of shiny it rock. It was the silvery shiny kind of rock. Got it, got it. So the main mine that was opened during that time was called the Mary Murphy. Um, but other mines quickly sprung up throughout the valley, which brought in a bunch of workers and a bunch of their families. The founders of the town, uh, Griffith Evans and Charles Seitz, wanted to call the town Forest City, but the Forest? Forest. Kind of like forest, your Forest, not forced. Not like forced. Not, forced. not rape like city. Like Tree Street. Like Tree Street. Okay. Tree I'm all Street caught up now. City. I had to get caught up. I'm all caught up now. Good. Great, great, great. Um, But the United States Postal Service put the kibosh on that because there was already a forest city in California. So therefore, you cannot have the same name, even though there are plenty. There of are too many goddamn forests. forest cities. So so you're going to have to come up with something else. And what they came up with was St. Elmo, which was uh, after the novel by Augusta Evans, which Wikipedia tells me features the sexual tension of St. Elmo, a cynical man, and Edna Earl, a beautiful and devout girl. So they named this town after yeah. a jack-off novel. Yeah, kind of Jane yeah. Austen-y jack-off you know charlotte bronte Jane style Austin jack off novels yeah yeah yep and and griffith evans loved this book 
So he was like, okay. St. Elmo, that's the name of the he town. He was like, I love it. This is my favorite book to jack to. I'm going to name my city after this. Because it's filled, and that city is now filled with so much of his ejaculate. Because I wanted to name it after trees, and I couldn't, so I'm naming it after my own lumber. Yes, see, lumber is involved. My in pants lumber. Or another. I'm going to create a city of sexual liberation, the likes of which you've never seen. Yep. Erections on every corner. Every corner. I'll call it Forest City. That's not legal. How about Jackoff Town? No, no. sir. Very Fine. well, my favorite Wapsville. St. Elmo. St. Tickle Me Smellmo. St. Smellmo. Yep. Oh, man. So by 1881, Smelmo had about 2,000 residents, shockingly similar to your ghost town, Tuna. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, two sawmills, a newspaper, three hotels, five restaurants, a firehouse, and several banks. Several banks it to hold all the silver. Booming metropolis. Um, this caught the this booming city caught the eye of the Denver South Park and Pacific Railroad, who again shockingly similar to your story, built yeah. a train station and train route to the Western Slope. Yeah, whatever that might be. See, I will. That's what fascinated me about my story is because this is the story of every ghost town. Yeah. I just never heard about a ghost town that wasn't silver, gold, copper, some yeah. other fucking shiny rock. Mm-hmm. But it always starts with the it's train the t- coming to town. Yeah. Tale as old as time. That's right. It's Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the minerals. Better <laughs> de- depletable minerals. Um, the station opened in 1882, just in time for the t- town to begin its decline. Oh, great. Yep. Just in welcome time. Welcome to town. It's fucked. Uh, welcome to town. Everybody is starting to move away. Um... And the station was too far from town. So, and the mines weren't as successful as they were in previous years. So people started to leave. They're like, cool, we're going to have like a train that kind of goes nearby. But they put the train station 16 miles from town. So it didn't make sense. That's not close. 16 miles is like a day in ye old times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, like a horse did like 25 miles a day in older times. Yeah. I think. yeah so it's I'm about telling a day. you, that's yeah. like a. Yeah. To get to town from the and if train. You had, if you had like a wagon, I don't think you could do 16 miles in a day. Probably not. No, I don't think so. We did that math on our cross-country trip. I can't remember it now, though. Yeah. These are I'm things that you think you about talking. when you drive I'm going to Google. Okay. Um, so it uh, also wasn't great. So in addition to the train station being too far away, the mines were producing less than high quality uh, silver. Between 10 and 15 miles a day is how far a wagon could go. Yeah, so it's like... On average. It, you would take a full 24, 25 hours to get We got to get to the train. Well, yeah. well better leave better now. Better pack a, up the fucking wagon. A Jesus. Whole day later. Um, but yes, and it also wasn't great, and it didn't help the town that a fire, a literal St. Elmo's fire, destroyed most of the town. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, dumbasses. Um, I just scared all the birds off my window. <laughs> um, destroyed most of the town, causing residents to leave and not come back. Yeah, the, no shit. Yeah, the, the town rebuilt but never regained its former glory. Um, and by 1922, the trains just stopped coming. 
people stopped mining silver at about this time. So around World War One is when um, America stopped mining for silver and started moving to iron instead. So okay, for the boys in the war. That's right. So they weren't mining silver anymore. Um, by 1922-ish. And in 1926, the train company literally picked up their tracks and left. They're like, nope, these are my they, tracks. I'm picking my stuff up and I'm going home. They picked up the tracks. They did. So there was we're no gonna, way any train could go anywhere they were like, near We're going to upcycle these. Yeah, we're going to put them where people actually live. Yeah. We're going to turn them into reclaimed railroad uh, artisanal tables for oh, yeah. local Ship billionaires. Lap. For the industrial lofts downtown. <laughs> Delightful. Um, and by 1934, so the town oh, was real founded. Quick. Yes. I, I found out the other day that like the big high ticket item that all the fucking crypto tech bro douchebag billionaires are buying right now are cubes of tungsten because they can't believe how dense it is. Fucking morons. Continue with your story. <laughs> Wait, a cube of, of really heavy rock? Of, of yes. tungsten, yes. Because it's heavy? Yes. You can look so, it up. It's it's on the internet. These people are idiots. Okay, so dense people are buying dense rocks. Yes. Correct. Hey, very good. Um, and so by 1934, so again, the town was founded in 1880. By 1934, the town had just two residents. Oh, no. Uh, Annabelle and her brother, Tony Ironman Stark. Nice. Um, the Stark family had been in St. Elmo since its inception, um, their father, the original Anton, Anton Tony Stark, uh, worked for the mines and his wife, Anna, ran the general store and home comfort hotel. So because of this, they were of a relatively high station in town. They were one of the more wealthy families, more influential. <laughs> and because of this, Mama Anna had a bit of a sort of complex where she thought she and her family was were better than anybody else in town and highly encouraged her children to not socialize with anyone but themselves. So these kids were homeschooled. Uh-oh. They never went to dances or to ball. Like, they never went out. Their only friends were each other. This and is a story about incest, 100%. Um, I mean, or serial killers. Oh, that's <laughs> Neither true. that they talk about in the story, but I can only imagine this is very like flowers in the attic kind of situation. Yeah, it does. It. I mean, yeah. Yep, for it sure. Feels a little flowers. In Annabelle the attic. and Tony definitely fucked. They definitely um, are. Gross. And then did a murder. Yeah, no murders. Uh, in the the they couple did. Had, they just got away with it. Yes, that's <laughs> it. And they no did one ever a knew. Murder. Um, the couple had three kids, Roy, Annabelle, and Tony, who worked at the store and the hotel. The, um, as I said, kids didn't have a very social upbringing. Mom thought they were so much better than everybody else. Um, however, once the town started its decline, the family's wealth prospects also declined in the meantime. And so mom Funny how that works. Funny. So Mama Anna, uh, Anna sent Annabelle to nearby Salida, to get a job working as um, who like work? One, uh, who, no, like one of those phone receptionist kind of ladies. Like oh, you plug a, in the, a pluggy lady. Yeah, a pluggy lady. Um, while she was there, Anna a pluggy lady. Yeah, yeah, she did all the phone plugging. Yeah, all the phone. And plugging. she was a whoer. Yeah, well, yeah, other kind of plugging. That comes she did after the plugging, and then she took some plugging. She took the plugging, just like my brother. 
Oh. <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. No, you're not. I'm <laughs> um, sorry. So while in Salida, Annabelle met a man, got married, and they were planning on moving to Trinidad together. And Tobago? And, no, just no, Trinidad. Just, Trinidad. just no tro- Tobago. Okay. Um, however, what ended up happening was they got divorced, and less than two years later, Annabelle moved back home. Yeah, because she missed that brother, D. She, oh. I mean, I'm sure that had a big thing to do with it. I think yeah. it was a big part of it. Uh, big, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Winky, winky. Big part of it. That's some big it lumber. It was an engorged part of it. <laughs> a girthy part of it. Some of that fleshy lumber that she loves so much. Oh, brotherhood. Um, this has um, been an excerpt from St. Elmo's, St. Elmo the book that everybody yeah. loved. The name I think this has been an excerpt of Boozer Bruce Nights. <laughs> so... When Annabelle returned, um, most residents still left town. And in the meantime, Roy and Tony, what they were trying to do was to get developers to come and reopen the mines. But that failed. And when that failed, they decided, well, we're going to buy up the houses that have been abandoned, similar to your story. I'm going to buy these up, but I'm going to rent them to tourists because it's in a valley. I'm sure it's very pretty. Um, It's Close-ish, kind of maybe to like Breckenridge ski type places. So there's yeah. mountains. I mean, Colorado is gorgeous. Yes, as someone yes. who drove through as it. Somebody who, as somebody, as people who just drove through it. That's very yeah. pretty. Um, so they were trying to make it into a touristy thing. So they would rent out the cabins and they kept the general store open, which they would run, you know, and serve the tourists. That didn't go over. So they did that for a while, but in 1934, um, Roy and Anna died, leaving just Tony and Annabelle. And once Roy and Anna died, Tony and Annabelle really just decided, fuck it. They stopped trying to rent out the cabins. They became dirty um, hoarders, like literally dirty because this town had no running water and it had no Ew. no plumbing. Ew. So they were not... They like gray gardens themselves? Kind of. They were not fans of showers. Buckets um, of their own poops. Just thrown about. They would fill the hotel and the general store just full of stuff and anybody who happened to come by and went into the general store said it just smelled sour because they were letting everything go bad. Like they both just kind of shut down and were like, fuck it. Or huge it. weirdos. Yeah, they both yeah. became huge weirdos. In fact, Annie um, developed the nickname, quote, Dirty Annie. Um, <laughs> because when she, she would, locked it in the pooper. Yes. Yeah. But no, it's because when she would L- go into Salida for, for supplies. Called Dirty Annie. No, it's when she was looking for <laughs> the supplies. The name on the bathroom stalls all across had all Turdsville or whatever this place was called. Phone numbers. St. Elmo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, she her, she her would telegraph smell. number five 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 ticka 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 five 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 ticka 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 ticka. Um, yes, she's just smelly, and so everyone called her Dirty Annie when Ugh. she would try to go get supplies from local Salida. I mean, I feel like um, this is what happens when you don't let your children socialize. A thousand percent. Uh, what happens? Like they grew them up to be weirdos. Like yeah. you know. I'm, I'm going to say it right here. They fucked each other. They 100%, oh, 100%. They 100% fucked each other. Uh, yes. I this, think they were actively fucking each other for years. This is the grossest story. <laughs> um, it's like they're living in romance bookville. Of course they're fucking each other. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I don't. That's not even debatable at this point. No. no. So these, uh, in addition to loving each other, these siblings also were very devoted to their town and would do anything to protect it. Annabelle was Except known- start an industry. Correct. Mm-hmm. Except try to actually make money and start the town up again. But Annabelle would walk up and down the streets on patrol with just a rifle and would shoot at anybody who wasn't supposed to be there. So anyone who wasn't her brother fucker. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Or, you know, anybody who happened to stop. This she was like, I love town. my town and I want it to keep existing. So anyone who comes into it, I shoot them. Basically, yes. Because she's living in a fairy tale land because clearly something ain't right. You ever fucked your brother? You ever fucked your brother? No. Yep. So when the post ain't office. That weird. When the post office closed in 1952, the town was officially declared dead. It was now an official ghost town because there's no post office. There's no nothing. Um, The the siblings. So in 1952, Tony and Annie were still alive, um, but they were both sent to mental hospitals for their own protection is what the story I read said. Probably because someone found out they were fucking and and they were like to the institute with you both be like separate institute. These two are fucking gross. Yes. And fucking and gross. Fucking. <laughs> These two are fucking and, and gross. fucking gross. Um, fucking comma but gross. <laughs> they did have a couple friends. I don't know how they met these people, but there were some friends that petitioned to get them both released from the hospital because by this point they are older. Um, and this is a mental institute. It's probably not the best place for them. So they were released. Um, I don't know where they went to live, but Tony died pretty soon after being released from the mental institute. Annie went to a nursing home where she lived for eight years um, and died in 1960. So upon her death, uh, all of the land, basically all of St. Elmo was willed to a, her friend, the one who like got her out of the um, the loony bin. Uh-huh. And... This this lady was like, I'm just the brother fuckatorium, the brother fuckatorium. She she was like, well, I'm going to try to, you know, there could be some touristy type things. People love a ghost town. We can do things around town to bring visitors and bring guests and yeah. stuff. To see what St. Elmo was back You're in its older times. You're going to see some things in the bedroom. Um, just ignore just them. Just ignore them. Don't look at them. Maybe throw them out. <laughs> uh, you can. So they, they did. There's a couple different organizations that end up owning this land now it was declared a historical site i think in the 70s um which just means no federal changes can be made but people can buy the land i want to say that it's um it's handled by the spelled buena vista but literally pronounced buena vista preservation society nice oh the buena vista i had to look it up because i i I heard something somewhere. I was like, I think there is a town in Colorado that does call it Buena Vista instead of Buena Vista. And it's this one. That's where my dad got it from. Aww. Aww. So anyway, um, there is like a historical type society that runs and owns the the land now. But there, you the saloon mining and mill... Mining and Mining milling, and mildew factory? Milling company oh. building and the old, old hotel and general store. They made it through. Um, so those were the buildings that they renovated and they could go and see. Um, uh-huh. However, in 2002, there was yet another fire that went through St. Elmo. St. Elmo loves their fires. Oh, St. Elmo fires. Fires. St. Elmo's been, fires. There have been at least three fires in St. Elmo. Um, St. Elmo's fires, part three. So some of the buildings were completely destroyed, but um, I do believe the hotel where Annie 
used to live is and and work is still there um and if you do go make sure you watch out for old dirty annie because it's believed she haunts old saint elmo oh dirty annie dirty Mm. annie so one location reportedly haunted is the old hotel where she spent most of her time Mm -hmm. um one of the i guess most well-known stories that i found on multiple websites is soon after annie's death the new owner had her grandchildren over and they were playing in one of the rooms and as they were playing um the temperature dropped about 20 degrees and every single door in that room slammed shut oh shit so the kids were like okay we're we're leaving and we're not coming back so kids just don't hang out in that Mm. hotel the other place that is haunted is the einstein brothers bagels because it has brothers in it and if you go there uh she'll give you a hand job so that's that's pretty cool because she only gives hand jobs to her brothers (laughs) she'll give you a hand job (laughs) because make her own cream cheese yes why why not (laughs) that was a delayed reaction it was very delayed Um, any, I'll let the Bob salt finish. bagel very popular. Yeah. <laughs> so any attempts to do any sort of remodeling to the hotel um, also lead to some spoopy happenings, um, because anytime workers would leave for the day, they'd you know fix up whatever they're going to fix up that day. They put their tools away for the night. No matter locked door, unlocked door, padlocked, whatever, they would come back the next morning, and all the tools will just be in a pile in the middle of the floor. Oh, I creepy. think Annie's just being helpful. Sure. Like, hey, I brought your tools out for you so you can get started on my you know brother fuck palace. Yeah. Making my renovations. Can you put a mirror on the ceiling, please? Yeah. Give me one of them heart shaped vibrating beds. Yes. <laughs> my brother Tony and I, Iron Man and I loved this. Yeah. Mm. Um, I called him Iron Man on account of his firm penis. I know a lot of people think, no, because that was before Iron Man the comic. She died. So maybe this is where um, the inspiration Stan Lee got his inspiration for Iron Man. Excelsior. Yeah. Brother fucking Tony Stark. Billionaire playboy. Yep. This known sister fucker. Delightful. That, that part didn't make the comics, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> no. Iron Man, sex pest. Iron Man, sex, sex pest. Iron Man, colon, sex, sex pest. pest. Yes, um, colon, sex pest. Yes. The, but the most... <laughs> sex pest in your colon. <laughs> A colon sex pest. <laughs> but the most famous ghost sighting was in the 1970s. Um, during that time, a woman uh, was staying in one of the cabins, you know, in, in on the main street. She looked out her window toward the hotel and saw a woman in white staring out of a second story window. So she followed the gaze of the woman and saw that this lady in the window was staring at a group of dirty snowmobilers who were taken there, you know, gross, their, their gross uh, snowmobiles. Dirty snowmobiles. Yeah through town um, which was against the rules they were just driving through the main street as they were and this this woman in the cabin knew that that was against the rule so she got out she went outside she told him hey you guys you really shouldn't be doing this and the skier or the jet the jet skiers yeah jet skiers the snow skiers were like okay yeah you're right all right our bad our bad sorry so she turns and starts walking back to her cabin and as she looks up the woman in the window just gives her a little nod and vanishes 
Oh, she's like, thank you for getting rid of those gross sex pests. That's right. I fuck my brother. That's right. And then she goes back to fucking her brother. And that is the story of Haunted Saint I didn't know Saint a single Elmo. one of them. I was going to shoot them with my shotgun and fuck my brother, but you took care of but that you, for me. But you did it before any Save damage Save me a little done. money on ammunition. And that is the story of Saint Elmo. But not on lube. <sighs> and the ghost of Annabelle Stark. Dirty Annie. Dirty oh, Annie. Dirty Annie. Awful dirty Annie. nickname. Yeah. Awful nickname. Well, you know, if she fucking showered once in a while, she wouldn't have had that nickname. Yeah. Do you know what's not awful? No. Is this cider. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. It's very good. So again, this is called Desolation. It's a prickly pear hard cider out of Mountain West or Mwust. Mwust. Because it's just M-T-N-W-S-T. Mm. Mwust. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it says, known for its whitewater rapids, Desolation Canyon spans 83, 83 mafia, yep. remote miles of Utah's Green River, infused with prickly pear. Duh. Yep. Um, Desolation Prickly Pear Hard Cider boasts a subtle flavor with a citrusy finish as unique as the Utah desert. Mm -hmm. And every bottle you buy helps support the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. Very nice. Um, Do you get prickly um, pear? You know, it's funny because a lot of pear ciders to me run a little sweet uh because pear is a fairly sweet fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not that sweet. It's actually quite a bit tart. Oh, and it's not just the toothpaste. No, it's not, because I've now fully flushed the toothpaste. Right, with with the cider. So what is left yeah. is just actual cider flavor. Yes, I will say, I did buy this can fairly recently, and uh, this is zero bubbles. D- no bubbles. This, no bubbles. This is a bubbleless so, drink. So it's like alcoholic apple juice at this point. Delicious. Oh, well, I'm glad it's... It's nice. There definitely is. I, I don't think I know the flavor of prickly pear enough mm-hmm. to, like, pick it out. Mm-hmm. But it has like a tart, but a little bit of a pairiness to it. Mm. All right. Um, and it's a very good cider. And it's a, it packs a bit of a punch. It's 6.9%. Nice. 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 Um, but it's very good, especially on like it's starting to become fall out here. So mm-hmm. to have something a little, you know, a little crisp with a little crisp autumnal in the air is nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a lovely autumnal drink. I like it. Beautiful. Would drink again. Good and job. As someone who uh, recently drove through Utah and was uh, really quite taken with the state, if there is a way that you can support keeping as much of that state preserved as possible, uh, I highly suggest both visiting and uh, doing what you can to support it. It is a beautiful Yeah, man. Place. She real pretty. She, she is real pretty. She yeah. real pretty. If you come to Southern Utah, let me know. I'll tell you where the good beer is and where it isn't. Hell yeah. Well, this is the part of the show where your old pal Bob gets to pick a winner. Guess what I love? Hmm. Trains. What? Both stories had trains. You do. That's an equal playing field. Equal trainage. Really, really very difficult. Uh, You know what what else I love? I love ironic town names, such as St. Elmo's Fire, we're catching on fire a bunch of times. I love towns that are astrological. I also love (laughs) Jane Austen jack-off novels. I love ghosts that criticize your gardening, but if there's one thing I love more than anything else, it's Iron Man colon sex pest. Melissa wins. (laughs) I thought you were going to win for the brother fuckery. No, I thought I was going to win for the brother pestilence is how you won. That's very gross. (laughs) I don't like that at all. I thought I was. That's very gross. I thought I was. I thought I was toast. (laughs) <laughs> you're like that's gross however colon sex pestery yeah that's it. funnier <laughs> that i can look i can look now, past now, the brother fuckery exactly 
All right, you sexy little colon sex pest. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, come back next week where we do more shenanigans. Yeah, there'll be more booze. And there will be brews. (laughs) Until then. Cheers. Cheers. That was a good one. Thank you.